Right now, South Carolina's women's basketball team is the near-unanimous number one team in the country. But there is a path where they might not be the number one overall seed in March. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecock Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all so much, as always, for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Happy Thursday morning, Game Cognation. We got a lot to dive into on today's show. We're going to touch on one of South Carolina's high school football signees and how he played in the Under Armour All-America game on Wednesday afternoon. Plus, Shane Beamer has made a coaching move. Which staff member is moving on and who should the Gamecocks target to replace him? But before we dive into all of that, I want to dive into what I think is going to be a very intriguing conversation surrounding Don Staley and South Carolina's women's basketball team. Obviously, right now, the Gamecocks are the number one ranked team in the country, have a perfect 12-0 record, and they seem to be in cruise control when it comes to potentially earning the number one overall seed once again when they arrive to the NCAA tournament action later this season but due to the lack of quality depth in the SEC as far as teams are concerned Don Staley and the Gamecocks could actually find themselves on the outside looking in when it comes to earning that number one overall seed now I will acknowledge this if the Gamecocks do run the table in the regular season and SEC tournament in dominant fashion might I add then this entire conversation is null and void. Y'all probably even forget that we talked about this. But I want y'all to just entertain me for the next couple minutes because there is another team out there that could possibly stand in the Gamecocks' way of getting that number one overall seed, and that is the UCLA Bruins. Let's say South Carolina, they still win almost all of their games or maybe every single one of their games this season, but they struggle a few times against teams that are far inferior to them. Or UCLA, who's currently ranked as the number two team in the country, maybe they run the table in the Pac-12. There could be issues for South Carolina if one of those two situations, or gosh forbid both of those situations, do play out. When you look at the Associated Press Top 25 poll right now, South Carolina is number one in the country. The LSU Tigers from the SEC are number seven in the country. And those are the only two SEC teams currently in the top 25. Just those two. Now, when you look at the Pac-12, they've currently got five teams in the top 15. UCLA, as I mentioned earlier, is number two. At number five, they've got Colorado. Colorado, by the way, has a head-to-head victory over the LSU Tigers that they won, by the way, I believe on a neutral floor. You've also got number eight, Stanford. 
Then you have number nine, Southern Cal. And then number 15, you have Utah. South Carolina's already played Utah this year, and they defeated them on a neutral floor up in Connecticut. But the reason why I bring all of this up is because when you do sort of the quick math or you play out this scenario in your head of both of these teams going through their conference slates, there's one thing that should really stand out to you. UCLA is going to have far more chances to impress the committee as far as being battle-tested against some of the best teams in the country compared to South Carolina. Now, there is also maybe a chance that things even out between both of these conferences. Maybe the Pac-12, they have a down showing in conference play. Some of these top-end teams lose to some of the bottom-tier teams in that conference. And maybe in the SEC, you see a bunch of teams begin to emerge, like maybe an Ole Miss or a Georgia or a Mississippi State. Texas A&M has been doing good so far this year. Maybe that does indeed happen. But I have to imagine that there's a reason why there are so many voters that are putting all these Pac-12 teams in the top 15. Because the Pac-12 is legitimately deep in women's basketball this year. And the SEC just isn't. So for South Carolina, if they want to get that number one overall seed, which should be their goal because... Again, they've been the best program in women's college basketball for the last two, three years. And you get that number one overall seed. It also means that the teams that you have in your portion of the bracket are going to be, based on seeding, easier opponents. You want to get that number one overall seed. If South Carolina is going to do that this year, they're going to have to win in dominant fashion. They're going to have to be winning by 20, 30 points at least against teams that, again, when you look at them on paper, they probably just don't belong on the same floor as South Carolina. They cannot trip up, particularly against some of the top-tier teams in their conference. So, LSU, you play them on the road. As long as you play them close, I think that a loss against them would be forgiven. But if you lose to LSU, maybe you lose to an Ole Miss at home. Maybe you don't win your SEC conference tournament. You throw all that together, along with the possibility of UCLA running the majority of the table in the Pac-12, that's when you're going to run into problems. So for Dogsdale and the Gamecocks, last year, it pretty much was obvious after non-conference play. They were going to be the number one overall seed. Because there wasn't a clear-cut number two team in the country at this point last year. This time around, that's not the case. The UCLA Bruins are for real. They've already defeated multiple top 25 teams just like South Carolina away from their home court. And they have got some legitimate stars on that roster. So, Dodd's doing the Gamecocks, to put it bluntly, they cannot take their foot off the gas. In conference play, not just because, obviously, again, you want to win your conference, you want to win your conference tournament, and you want the number one overall seed, but you have to imagine that the Gamecocks, just to a slight degree, are keeping their eyes on what's going on with UCLA in the Pac-12. It's going to be an interesting story to watch throughout the rest of this season for South Carolina's women's basketball team. Now, yesterday, the Under Armour All-America game took place, and there were several South Carolina signees that played in that contest, and one of them, probably the best guess you could have made, the easiest guess, 
stood out the most amongst his peers. We'll talk about that player in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Now, South Carolina's men's basketball team, they're beginning SEC play on Saturday afternoon when they take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs in the Colonial Life Arena. If you haven't caught a game yet, you're going to want to be there to check out Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks' first SEC matchup of the season. You can find tickets in the lower bowl for $20. That's rated as the best deal by game time. And you can find tickets as cheap as $12 in the upper bowl if you're looking to save a little bit of dough. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's locked on for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make us your first watch on YouTube or your first listen wherever you get your audio podcast daily. Based on the way that Dylan Store played in the Under Armour All-America game on Wednesday afternoon down in Central Florida... I'm very confident in saying that I think that Dylan Stewart is going to be starting for South Carolina in week one of the 2024 season. Now, I understand that some people might think back to when Jadavion Clowney joined the Gamecocks football program all the way back in 2011 as a true freshman and might recall that even Jadavion Clowney was not a true starter when he arrived to Columbia. So why is it I think Dylan Stewart could end up starting? Well, Dylan Stewart, he just offers a skill set that no current Gamecock defender on the roster has. Let's break it down by a couple of different parts of his game. Let's start with his athleticism. This is what showed out the most in the Under Armour All-America game on Wednesday afternoon. Dylan Stewart was matched up against a guy that is viewed by most as the number one offensive tackle in the country in Jordan Seaton. Now, Gamecock fans might sit there and argue, of course, that Josiah Thompson is the number one offensive tackle in the country. But nonetheless, the rankings have Jordan Seaton in that slot. And I was glad to see that the coaches made it to where Dylan Stewart and Jordan Seaton were going at each other for the majority of this football game. And while both guys did win their share of one-on-one reps, Dylan Stewart had times where he made Jordan Seaton look absolutely silly. His burst off the line of scrimmage, if it was the first time you've ever watched Dylan Stewart play yesterday afternoon, then you saw firsthand. Um, It's just different. Dylan Stewart, at times, was in his third or fourth step in his get-off, and all of his D-line teammates, they were probably in their first or second step, and Jordan Seaton, he was barely getting back into his kick slide and was already having a oh crap moment where Dylan Stewart was already about even with him on the football field and about to have the leverage to where he could just go right on past him using just a regular dip and rip move. One of the simplest pass rushing moves to use as an edge rusher, but Dylan Stewart can do that because he's so athletic. He is so explosive at the start of a play. 
He probably should have drawn at least like three or four holding penalties, if we're being honest, yesterday afternoon. But it was also a high school football all-star game. So, you know, obviously the officials, they're probably not trying to drag on that game as long as it already was. But athletically speaking, Dylan Stewart he is going to be the best defensive lineman that South Carolina has, or the best edge rusher that they have, the moment he steps foot on campus. And I mentioned earlier, him using a dip and rip pass rushing move. He is still just scratching the surface as far as his technique is concerned. Brian Smith was on our show on Wednesday, and he talked to me about how, you know, one of the things that he does feel like Dylan Stewart needs to work on, which everyone's got something that they can work on. And for Dylan Stewart, Brian told me that he felt like that he could do a better job when it comes to his run fits, because obviously when you're so athletic and you're facing private school competition in the Washington, D.C. area, you're going to probably best all of your competition when it comes to pass rush. And even if you don't have maybe the best start on a rush play defending the run, you're going to be able to find a way to affect the play in some form or fashion. Yesterday was probably the first time ever in his football career that Dylan Stewart was actually facing uh, players that were on the same level as him, or at least very close to it. And so he did have times where, you know, he did kind of get anchored down in rush defense. But again, that's something that he can definitely work on as soon as he gets to Columbia. And sure, there might be times where Dylan Stewart bites on a play-action boot. He did do that once or twice in the game yesterday. And there are times where he might be a bit hesitant to make a decision in terms of what he's going to do because he sees a mesh point where it looks like the running back is going to get the ball and just go on an inside run. But he doesn't know if he should respect the quarterback possibly pulling the football out and then running right outside of where he's currently positioned. He might have moments where he gets caught in a pickle and he has to make a decision. He might make the wrong one. But Dillard Stewart has got so much God-gifted ability that he's going to be able to make up for the times when he does make mistakes. He is not going to play mistake-free football. I want to make that clear. But he is so good that... You know, he can have a play where he might let a quarterback roll out to his side of the field because he overpursues towards the inside of the formation, and they get maybe a 15-yard pass off because Dylan Stewart was not there to affect the pass. But the very next play, they might throw the ball again, and Dylan Stewart gets to the quarterback within like two seconds, and it's a sack, and now it's second and 16. He's got that kind of ability. So, the Under Armour All-America game yesterday, I think... If you watch the game in full, I think it's pretty clear that Team Fire, uh, the roster sort of dispersion, how they allocated these players, probably wasn't totally fair to Team Fire. I'll just leave it at that. But Dylan Stewart, he was by far, in my opinion, the best player on the football field when he was out there on Wednesday afternoon. So South Carolina, they got another good one coming. So Dylan Stewart... He will be seeing the field without a question in 2024. Some people probably thought that, you know, hey, he'll be a guy that rotates and he gets like maybe 40 snaps a game. Again, I, I kind of felt that way before yesterday. Not anymore. I think Dylan Stewart's going to start immediately. He is one of those guys where you have got to create a role for him in your defense, even if it doesn't already exist. You've got to figure out a way to get him out there. So Dylan Stewart, Gamecock fans, you should be really excited about this. I'll just, I'll conclude the conversation with that. Now, there was also some news when it came to South Carolina's football staff on Wednesday, 
as the Gamecocks are parting ways with running backs coach Monterio Hardesty. How should we look back on Monterio Hardesty's time here in Columbia, and who is the assistant that the Gamecocks should go after to try and replace him? I'll be talking about all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season might be getting ready to wrap up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. We talked about the Philadelphia Eagles and New York Giants matchup earlier this week, but I wanted to bring it to your attention once again because there's been some interesting line movement with this game. The spread was minus 6.5 on New Year's Day in favor of Philly. It's now listed at minus 5.5. The money line for the Eagles is now minus 235. It was minus 260. The money line for the Giants is now plus 194. It was plus 215. So the money seems to be piling on to the Giants here in this matchup. If you're interested in betting on this game or checking out any other matchups from the NFL, the app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. For the first time that I can recall in the Shane Beamer era here in Columbia, Shane Beamer has fired one of his assistant football coaches, as it was first reported by TheBigSport.com on Wednesday afternoon that South Carolina's football program is moving on from running backs coach Monterio Hardesty. Now, moving on was mentioned, parting ways was also said or used as a phrase to describe it, and also being fired. I don't think that any reputable source or any reputable site or publication would say fired if it wasn't true. So, we're going to go ahead and assume here that, you know, Monterio Hardesty, this was a decision primarily made by South Carolina. And it feels like that this is a decision that had to be made by Shane Beamer at the end of the day. Obviously, again, you never want to see um, someone get fired from their job. And there's a lot that goes into that. You know, Monterio Hardesty, I think he just got married this past fall. So now he's got to uproot himself and his wife, and they've got to now find a new place. He's got to find a new place of employment. But... In terms of looking at this from South Carolina side of things, you know, Monterey Hardesty, for the past couple years, the noise has been pretty loud surrounding his um, surrounding his job performance here in terms of South Carolina fans' perspective. Hardesty definitely was not the best, probably, in terms of recruiting on this staff. Now, he did bring in four-star Dontavious Braswell in the 2023 recruiting cycle, and he also did find Matthew Fuller in the 2024 cycle. He probably would have gotten Daniel Hill if there weren't other circumstances that, quite frankly, were out of his control in this recruiting cycle. But he did land a couple solid players, but the issue is the fact that it wasn't always consistent. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, South Carolina, they had some bad luck at the running back position the past couple years. Marshawn Lloyd, of course, decided to leave the program after the 2022 season and transferred out. 
Lavoisier Carroll, a guy that, you know, a lot of people thought had some promise and could be a future, you know, big time piece in that room. He wound up medically retiring this past winter. Mario Anderson Jr. had to become your starter in the 2023 season. You had to move to carry on Joyner to running back. So there was definitely a share of bad luck and also just some recruiting misses in this department. But Monterey Hardesty, look, I won't speak to the actual in-game coaching or the running back rotations because, quite frankly, that's an area where I just don't have that much expertise. So I'm not going to try to act like that I do when it comes to that matter. But you could see why this move was made by Shane Beamer and this football program. So obviously, wish Monterey Hardesty all the best of luck wherever he lands on his feet. And I will say this. Montero Hardesty, the fact that South Carolina is moving on from him, and it's the first announcement, it seems like. Where, where I'm going with this is, I feel like this might not be the last move that gets made here. If Montero Hardesty's being let go, there's probably one or two more guys that are going to be parting ways with South Carolina's football program at some point in the next week or so. But I'm not going to speculate on that right now. We're just going to sit back and see what happens when it comes to all of that. Now, in terms of replacing Montario Hardesty, there's one coach out there that just makes too much sense for this vacant position, and that is Arkansas running back coach Jimmy Smith. Now, Jimmy Smith, he makes sense here for several reasons. Let's go ahead and list out the first one. Jimmy Smith is from South Carolina. He has stated before on Arkansas's, I guess, streaming service, South Carolina is where his roots lie. He's from Darlington. He is a guy that I think has recruited in this state for a good long while. So he knows the Palmetto State quite well. He has coached, I believe, under a former Gamecock assistant in Sean Elliott. He was with Georgia State for a period of time just a few years back before he eventually went to Arkansas. Also, that leads into my next point. He's coached in the SEC. As an SEC football coach, a head football coach, you like to have assistants on your staff that know the landscape of this conference quite well. That might be even more imperative now considering the way that this conference is growing and where things may be heading in the sport of college football. Jimmy Smith is going to offer you that. Jimmy Smith is also a very good recruiter. He has been the primary recruiter for five four-star running backs that he has landed throughout his coaching career, which is pretty solid at that position. Not going to find many position coaches that have done better in that regard. And he also landed a guy like Marcus Carroll at Georgia State a few years back. Marcus Carroll, if you're wondering, I'm pretty sure he just rushed for over 1,000 yards in that Panthers offense, and he just transferred to Missouri a couple weeks back. So a pretty good prospect that kind of slipped through the cracks in terms of the power four initially coming out of high school, but Jimmy Smith saw his talent. Oh, and by the way, speaking of recruiting, Jimmy Smith knows the Atlanta area quite well, and obviously he should since that's where Georgia State's campus and everything is located. So there's a lot of pluses, a lot of benefits to adding a guy like Jimmy Smith potentially to this coaching staff. There's not been any public reports made yet about, you know, any interest there between the two parties. But you also throw in Dow Loggins being on this staff, the connection that he might have with Jimmy Smith. Justin Stett, the wide receivers coach at South Carolina, also coached alongside Jimmy Smith, at least for a certain amount of time. You throw all that in there as well. It would be almost shocking, quite frankly, in my eyes, 
if Jerry Smith does not wind up being the hire here at the running back position, the running back coaching position here for South Carolina. So keep your eyes on that over the next couple of days. I have to imagine with the way that Shane Beamer operates that it probably won't be too long before we learn who the new coach is at that position. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are y'all's thoughts about the conversation we had at the start of the show regarding the Gamecocks women's basketball team and their chances of earning that number one overall seed? Do you think there's a chance that UCLA could be a problem in terms of South Carolina trying to secure that number one overall spot? What were your thoughts on Dylan Sort and his performance in the Under Armour All-America game along with the other Gamecock signees on Wednesday afternoon? And lastly, what are your thoughts on Monterio Hardesty being fired by South Carolina and who they could hire. Do you think it should be Jimmy Smith or do you think it should be somebody else? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or you can shoot me a direct message on X at a line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But as always, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Thursday and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.